Awesome to be here with you today. Uh, my name is Andre. I get to serve here at Bromley as youth and worship pastor. And uh, it's the first time I'm speaking in a long, long time, and I'm so, so, so excited about it. Um, and I got to say, uh, as I was waiting on the side, and the worship team was leading us in music, I could hear, and that's something I usually am up here, I cannot listen, but right there I could hear your voices kind of speaking the words, and that gave me so much goosebumps, I was so excited, it was so, it's almost like I'm feeling that there's another step given uh, towards our normal life, and yeah, it just gave me so much hope and so much uh, joy. So uh, today, we will continue uh, on, the, on the series. Uh, we are finalizing today the series, Are We There Yet? Are We There Yet? How to live in uh, disorienting times. How to live when trials show up, when difficulties come uh, on our way. And uh, the passage that we will be talking about it today um, is, for some, intriguing, for some, super awesome, which is my case. Uh, for some, this passage raises a bunch of questions. And what I find super cool about this specific event is that three out of the four authors of the Gospels, three of them, they, uh, they talk about this event, which is Jesus walking through the waters. And one super cool thing about it is that each one of them, John, uh, Mark, and Matthew, each one of them, they bring a different perspective on on this uh, event, right? And there are things that are mentioned in one, but it's not mentioned in the other one. Because each one is focusing, is bringing up, is highlighting something different about this event. Uh, I believe that out of the three Authors, Matthew is the one that is better known of because of Peter. Because Peter, in, in a way, he challenges Jesus. We know what's going on there. And uh, Peter is the one who says, well, masters, if it is really you, let me walk towards you. But uh, the other two, both John and Mark, they have awesome uh, and important things about this event as well. And uh, today, we are reading and we are focusing in the book of Mark. But here and there, we will uh, visit John and, and Matthew. Uh, so, on Mark chapter 6... Verses 45 to 51, verse, uh, 
fifth one, the part, first part, it says, and uh, just for you to know, I'm using two different versions. I'm using ESV as well as uh, NIV, just because of different wordings and different things. So if some words are a little bit different, that's uh, the reason why. So this is the ESV version. It says, immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida. While he dismissed the crowd, after he had taken leave of them, the crowd, he went up on the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And he got on the boat with them, and the wind ceased. Before we move on, let's pray. Dear God, uh, we ask you your presence. We ask you that you might be here with us, uh, leading in these next moments. We thank you for everything you have done. Uh, don't let me stand on your way, and uh, please uh, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Help us to understand what is it that you want to speak to our hearts and minds today. That's what we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So, for the sake of contextualization, we need to know what was going on. And uh, just for you to, to, in case you ask, Andre, how did you put this together? If uh, you go back and forth, it takes a little bit of back and forth. You go to Mark and you go to John and you go to Matthew and you put all the texts together. They draw a picture. And the picture was this. After the fourth uh, miracle of Jesus, which is multiplying the bread and fish, Jesus dismissed his uh, disciples, and he says, uh, go to Bethsaida. They were a little bit under Bethsaida. Let's say that the lake is kind of round. Uh, they were here on uh, the east side. Bethsaida was up here, and Capernaum was all the way here. Some, uh, on the book of John, it says that they, were, they went to Capernaum. On Mark... Actually, Matthew says they went to Capernaum. And on Mark and John says they, uh, they crossed to Bethsaida. And the reason why is because Jesus says, Go to Bethsaida as I am dismissing the crowds. The crowds. I will meet you there. And from there we will cross to the other side, Capernaum. And if you, again, go back and forth, you read the texts side by side, you see that this is the overall uh, picture that is drawn there. Uh, the disciples arrive at Bethsaida. They're waiting for Jesus. That's close to evening. I'm presuming, let's talk about 5 
to 7 p.m. That was about the time that they were at the port of Bethsaida. And the text says a storm wind. So up until today, you can search on, on YouTube, on Google, you see uh, the storms that happens in the Sea of Galilee. And it's very common up until today for they to have these uh, wind storms where you don't have actually uh, rain, uh, not too many clouds, but the sea, the lake itself is raging. It's super, super strong. And this happens and the boat is pushed to the center of the sea. That's what the text says. And in Matthew uh, chapter 14, 23, uh, it says, The boat was being buffeted by the waves because the wind was against them. And they were in the middle of the lake. So, I don't know how many of you, uh, either here or home, have experienced a storm close to the coast. And I can say I've never been in the storm, but I've seen it. And it's terrifying. I remember when I was nine years old, when my parents moved from southeast to northeast in Brazil, uh, we were living uh, a few meters away from the sea in a fourth floor apartment. And I remember this morning... I woke up, I, I walked to the balcony, and I saw these gray and heavy uh, clouds. The sea was gray. Uh, you would look to the horizon, everything was grayish, dark. And the waves, they were just so big, so terrifying. In my nine-year-old mind, I was like, dude, that's so scary. But... Also from the balcony, I could see the beach, and there were people on the beach. And some of them, fishermen. And there was these three people that I pay attention to. There was this first guy, this first two people, with a small boat. There was no engine, nothing, just oars. And they were moving the boat towards the sea. And they got into it, and they start going towards the storm. And I thought, they're crazy. Look, that tiny little boat, how can you even think about it? But that was their living. They have to do it. They're fishing. They're fishermen. They're, they have to fish to bring food to their family and, and all that. And there's the other dude. And he was the craziest one. Because he just had one of those uh, goggles with a, with a pipe. I don't know the name of that. A, harp, a, a tiny harpoon and a sackcloth bag. And he was walking towards the sea. And he dives in and he disappears on the waves. On a stormy day. That was so scary. And... I can't imagine. Today, we have technology, we have engines, we have uh, uh, lanterns, and we have 
all the sorts of things. But I can imagine the, the disciples, the twelve in that boat, they lose control of it. They have to stay in Bethsaida, but the wind just pushed them to the center of the lake. And they are trying to keep the thing steady with oars. And they're fighting and basically fighting for their lives. And I can only imagine what was going through their minds. A few chapters before in Mark, they had a similar situation on a storm and Jesus was sleeping on the boat. And they say, Master, don't you care that we're about to perish? And says, oh, you of little faith. But in that point, they had Jesus. Now they don't have Jesus. They were waiting for him. And they are in this situation, this storm, where they have very little, if not no control over the boat. And this is the first thing I want to bring up from this text, is the idea of persevering throughout the storm. It's so hard sometimes to, to keep it up with it. But we, sh- we have to persevere. Sometimes we, we want just to give up. We get discouraged. My pastor back in Brazil, he, he would use the term d- deserts. When you're going through the desert, what do you do? When you're going through the storm, when you're going through trials, how do we face it? And the first thing I want to tell you is, the, is this, persevere through it. We forget we have a God who is with us all the time. Even when we don't believe that He is there. Even when we think, well... He might be busy with someone else. But no, he is there. He says uh, in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 31 verse 6. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. For I, oh, for it it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Sometimes we forget who we are and to whom we belong. We're going through this awful time and we get discouraged and we're trying to make sense out of it. And most of the time, sometimes it doesn't make sense. But one thing we have to keep in mind, He is our God. He won't forsake us. When we feel like letting go of the oars, that's when you have to hold the oars and believe and know He is with you. He is with us all the time. The author Alan Cole, on his commentary on Mark, says something really interesting about this passage. He says, The whole episode is a good illustration of the life of discipleship. Seen as a constant experience of testing and deliverance. For it was, again, not through stubborn 
self-will, but through direct obedience to the command of Jesus, that the disciples found themselves in this danger. The storm did not show that they had uh, deviated from the path God's, of God's will. Instead, God's path for them lay through the storm to the shore of the lake. We, might, we should remember of Jonah. Jonah is going against God's will. God sends Jonah to Nineveh and, they go to, and he goes to the other side. And he gets on this boat and as the boat is up on the sea, there is a storm. And that storm was God saying, hey, I'm not happy with you. You are not following the, 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 the path I have for you. Here, that, it's not that situation. Here, the storm is the path. Here, the storm is what God had planned for the disciples. It, not, it may not be what they dreamed of. But it is the path that God has for us. And sometimes we, we get, as I said, we get discouraged. And uh, we ask questions. And I can tell you that the assurance that we are in the center of God's will should be the fuel for us to go through the storm. A storm doesn't show up in your life just because. I always say that to my students. There is no coincidence. There is God. You might believe in, 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 the, in the, just because, I don't, I believe in God. I believe that if you're going through a path where it's stormy, it's hard to go through, God put you there for a reason. And it's up to us to persevere and to see that path as being the center of God's will. There is no other way for us to re feel real peace throughout the storm, if not by the assurance that we are following the path God has for us. And sometimes we ask, God, am I doing things wrong? What's going on? Why am I going through this? Why am I suffering? Why am I going through? Why is COVID? Why do I have to suffer all these things when we should be asking God, what is it that you want me to learn? What is it that you want to show me? What is it in this path that is so stormy where the waves are higher than I can see the horizon and I can barely focus in anything but surviving? What is it that you want me to, to look at? We can't see what is in the other side of the shore. But He knows. He knows what is waiting for us and He will get us there because He is with us. We don't know what is it there. Maybe it can be more trials. Right after the storm, you can get on the land and you face the desert. But whatever it is that's waiting on the other side of the shore, 
believe God knows what it is and is the plan of his perfect will for you, for us. As hard as it is to believe our, our, our position as, as people who truly believe in God is, God, I don't understand, I don't see, I don't agree, I lament, I'm angry, but your will be done. I am here at your disposal. As we go through the storms, as we go through challenging times, another aspect that is really hard for us to think of is rescue. Rescue will come in the right time. It can be early in the morning as well as in the fourth watch of the night. Mark Chapter 30, uh, 13, verse 35 says, Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or even in the morning. Here he's talking about the, the return. It's, it's a parable of Jesus ex- trying to explain to them, Well, you have to stay on the watch. I will go and I'll I'll, I'll return, but you do not know the time. So be prudent. Know uh, Know that I will be back and you do not know the time. So stay awake, stay on the watch. And here we can, we can relate this. We can make a slight connection that when we are on the trial, when we are facing Difficult situations, we should stay on the watch. Otherwise, we will sink and we will not see the rescue. The text says, and keep up with me, uh, the text says that in the evening, the boat was out on the sea. And that Jesus was in the land and that he sees They were struggling against the wind. And only about the fourth watch of the night, he went on their direction. So, the boat goes to the sea in the evening. The fourth watch of the night is in between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. So, we can kind of take an idea of how long the disciples were in the sea struggling for their survival. But the interesting thing is, Jesus was watching. He sees them. He is with them all the time, by distance. He is looking at them. He knows that they are struggling. If you go back to verse 48... He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them. Rescue comes in the right time. It might not be the time that you want, the time that you put all the strength of your lungs out saying, I can't take it anymore. 
Maybe that's not a time and you can't take. Rescue will come when it has to come. Sometimes we think that we've been forgotten, we've been left aside, that we are alone. We don't know when or if rescue will come. I can tell you, it will come. After hours of struggle, after probably a whole night again fighting for their survival, they see something. They see this figure in the shape of a man walking above the waters, something that is not natural, something that it's impossible, so they presume the supernatural, they presume the impossible. It's a ghost. They're taken over by fear, and they scream their lungs out. They're terrified. And that's the point where it only makes sense for them to be as they are. They have fought all night long. They have tried to hold to the oars all night long. When they think that things could not be worse, they see something walking on the waters. And in the middle of the storm, with all those waves, the boat being buffeted to one side, to one side to another, he reveals himself and says, Take heart. It is I. One of the things that, and that's kind of a shame. It is I. It's not quite the words he used. In the Greek version, it's ime, which means I am. And they know what that means. I can imagine, just like in a movie, they're there, everything is happening, you know the picture, and they hear from that shape thing that they're seeing on the water, I am, do not be afraid. And I can only imagine a slow motion scene focusing on their faces as all the fear just fades The storm is all around them. They are still in the same situation. But He is there. And they know what that means. Exodus 3.13 Moses is like Elohim, which is divine or deity. Who should I say you are? Who should I say? And He, God, when He speaks to Moses, He uses actually in the Septuagint the same word, Ime. I am who I am. I am the one who always been. I am the one who always, always will be. I exist. Jesus is here telling them, 
I am. I am. You know who I am. And all the fear is gone. He, they know now. They know we're safe. The one who he, who is, is with us. And now we see what happens after. And I'll read the three passages. Just one verse. But the same, the same thing happening. John 6, 21. Then, after Jesus says, I am, they, and then here I combine two versions. I use the two versions together. Then they willingly were glad to take him into the boat. And immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. Matthew 14, 32. And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Mark 6, 51. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased. When he is on board, everything else just fades. When we gladly invite him into our lives, the storm that is within us will just cease. When we take him, and now we, as a symbolic gesture, you say, Here's, here are the oars. You take it. It doesn't matter what's going on behind, around me, behind me, in front of me. It doesn't matter what is the path that is ahead. All that matters is you are. And here is, here are the oars of my life. Not always in our lives, the storms, the external storms will cease. We have to go through them. Remember, all night long fighting for their survival, they went through it. But knowing that He is there, knowing that we are not the ones struggling with the oars, gives us peace. Gives us the assurance that it doesn't matter the struggles that we are about to go through or the problems we are facing. We will go through that path in peace because He is. We had the storm, the path, the rescue, and the arrival. Here are the things, the journey of the hero. I don't know if you've ever heard of this. If you are into storytelling and all that, you know that the journey of the hero, the hero starts on point A and he's going to point B. And when he leaves, he's this apprentice. He's learning. He doesn't know anything about life. And when he gets to the end, he is this whole different person. 
What shaped him was the, the path. All the adversities. What turned him into the hero that he meant to be is, was the storms, was the deserts, was the trials. And here are three things I would, we can take out of this whole situation. First, don't give in to fear. Once you give in to fear, you're missing out on what is it that you have. You freeze. A wise master called Yoda said, Fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger, anger to hate, hate to suffering. So this is, this is the way things are. When we are fearful, we, we just don't see. We freeze. And then the second point that I want to tell you, seek him. Do not give in to fear and seek him. But if you give in to fear, you're going to freeze and you're not going to seek him. So do not give in to fear, to fear and seek him. And the third point is invite him. Always invite him. My grandma would say, son, Jesus is always with us. But it doesn't cost anything asking him to be with us all the time. So always, when we seek him, we'll find him. And when we find him, we need to take the initiative to willingly invite him to the boat. Not keep him in the distance. Again, you can, it can be that I don't know what's going on in your life, but it can be the situation where you're on the boat and you feel safe just by seeing him in the distance. Don't keep him on the distance. If you f- invite him to the boat, willingly and gladly invite him to the boat. Sometimes we are hesitant in inviting him to the boat because we know the implications of letting, letting go of the, of the oars. We are letting go of our desires. We are letting go of the path that we would like to go through. We are letting go of all this. And he will be the one who will be leading us and who will taking us in that direction. We will no longer be in control. But we have the assurance that he will lead us through the storms. Allow me to pray. Holy God, thank you for this day and for all your blessings and everything you have done in our lives. Thank you for these moments here, moments where we spend worshiping you, praising you for who you are. God, give us the assurance that although the path may be uncomfortable, give us the assurance that you are with us all the time. 
that you won't let us go. Let the, the storm be outside, but let the peace reign within us. Let our hearts be as calm, as calm as a river, peaceful. Because we know you are. Thank you for everything you've done. We ask you that you give us a good rest of the day and an awesome week. That's all we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.